Merry Christmas. Let's go ahead and stand together. We want to join in on this great day, celebrating all that God has done by sending Jesus into this world.
We want to proclaim joy to the world. We want to join in with creation, join in with the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, coming to adore Jesus Christ, our King. Let's sing together. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. season. Um, It is Christmas, and we are excited to celebrate what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. 
You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I think we have a wonderful service planned, um, and uh, hopefully you are feeling the spirit uh, of God of Christmas through this time. Well, throughout this month, we have celebrated Advent, the arrival of Jesus onto this earth um, to save us. And we've done that through um, the traditional reading of Scripture, lighting of a candle. We're going to continue that tradition today, and um, we have some friends here to join us and help us with that. Hi, and Merry Christmas. My name is, <laughs> my name is Ken LeCuro, and this is my wife, Jan. And we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, it's just a wonderful story to join in uh, with the Bible, with the angels proclaiming of uh, God's birth, uh, Jesus, on this earth. And we heard a little piece of that story. We're going to hear more of the story uh, in just a few minutes as well. But let's stand together, and we want to do just that as a, as a congregation of, of humanity focusing on all that God has done. We want to join in with the angels proclaiming uh, God's good news.
Jesus. Well, again, Merry Christmas and welcome. We are glad that you have chosen to uh, visit with us here at Hovale. My name is Matt. I am the worship pastor here, and we just have the pleasure of worshiping together as we come and adore Jesus Christ, our Lord. But before we continue, we want to do two things. We're going to have a little Christmas story reading for the kids. If they want to come forward, 
Um, and uh, Miss Bethany over here is, is going to read the story. And while they're coming forward, if you want to greet one another, wish one another a very Merry Christmas today. There's got to be more kids out there. Come on, make your way on up. We've got a great story today. Squish all around. Come on up as fast as you can come. And if you need to sit on the stairs, and we can even go around the edge. You guys here, could you scoot over that way so more kids could come in? Go over a little further. Yeah, yeah, just make your way on up. Good. All right, are we on? Do we need to scooch back a little more? Looks like there's more kids who want a spot. Can you guys help? Good. Who's excited for Christmas? Yay. So fun. I am too. Well, we have a story today. It's called Mortimer's Christmas Mouse. And I hope, oh, Christmas Manger. Sorry. I hope you like it. Okay. In a big house lived a wee mouse named Mortimer. And he dwelt in a dark hole under the stairs. Nobody ever noticed little Mortimer, and Mortimer liked it that way, but he didn't like his hole. Too cold, too cramped, too creepy, squeaked Mortimer. So each day he snuck out and crept about looking for crumbs and tidbits, and then one day Mortimer spied something new. What he spied was wonderful. He saw a huge tree covered with twinkling lights. Nestled on top was a bright, shining star. But something even better than the tree sat next to it on the table. Mortimer sighed with delight. A house just my size. But the house was so high and Mortimer was so low. I'll climb up the tree, said Mortimer. It made a perfect ladder for a mouse. So up, up, up. Mortimer climbed, and down, 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 the ornaments crashed. Finally, he reached the table. Perfect, said Mortimer. Not cold, not cramped, not creepy, cozy. But who are you? Mortimer had never seen people so small, almost as small as himself. He had never seen such strange animals either. Tap, tap, tap. Mortimer knocked, but... No one answered. Tap, tap, tap. No one moved an inch. I see, Mortimer squeaked. You aren't real. Only statues. And so Mortimer lugged and Mortimer tugged, and one by one, he dragged those statues out. When he reached the smallest statue, he saw it was a a baby. A baby in a wooden bed, just Mortimer's size. There's no room for you here, Mortimer said. Out you go. Then into the bed, Mortimer crawled, and he fell fast asleep in the soft, warm hay. The next day, as Mortimer crept about, he found good things to eat, cookie crumbs, fruitcake morsels, and spicy peppermint candy. But when Mortimer scampered back to his new home, the statues were set up again. No, 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 squeaked Mortimer. This won't do. There's no room for me. And so, any guesses? What do you think he did? Do you know? Let's see. 
He looked and he tugged until all the statues were out. And stay out, he said. Then into the bed crawled Mortimer, and he fell fast asleep in the soft, warm hay. But each day, while Mortimer scurried about, the statues were set up again. And Mortimer always looked and tugged them back out. And then one day, Mortimer set out, and he saw the big people gathered around the tree. He couldn't go out there, so he hid among the statues. A man started talking. Mortimer listened, and what he heard was wonderful. Since it's Christmas Eve, I shall tell the Christmas story, said the man. A long time ago, in a little town called Bethlehem, and Mortimer heard about people named Joseph and, do you know? Mary. Yep, Joseph and Mary, and a bright shining star. He heard about shepherds watching their flocks by night and traveling wise men. The man continued, and there was no room for them in the inn. And then Mortimer heard about a baby, a baby who was born in a stable and had no real bed, but slept in a wooden manger. A baby born to save the world. And his name shall be called... I'll do that again. His name shall be called... There we go, said the man. And Mortimer looked at the bright shining star on the tree. He looked at his new home and his new bed, and he looked at the statues. Last of all, he looked at the baby. Oh, I see, said Mortimer. You aren't just any statue. You are a statue of Jesus. You're right. Yeah. Mortimer sniffed and Mortimer snuffled, and a tear rolled down his furry cheek. There was no room for you in the inn. But I know where there is room, he said. And so? And so Mortimer lugged and Mortimer tugged, and soon he dragged all the statues back to where they belonged. Last of all, he laid the baby in the manger. This belongs to you, he said. And Mortimer smiled. You look warm and cozy now. There was no place for Mortimer to go except back to the cold, cramped, and creepy hole. As Mortimer scuttled down the tree, he said a prayer. Jesus, you were born to save the world. Perhaps you could also bring me a home? And then... You'll never get this. I love this part. Mortimer smiled. He saw something new. He spied something wonderful. Mortimer sighed with, we'll see, a house just my size. And there were no statues in sight. And so Mortimer moved right in. Thank you, Jesus, said Mortimer. You've made room for me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know, so fun. Well, thank you very much on behalf of Hope Vale staff. We're so excited you're here. Moms and dads, if you could stand so your kids can find you on their way back. Well done. All right, it's time for the adult story. If I could have all the adults. uh... Oh. 
Hey, it's great to have you here. Uh, my name's Dan Davis, Senior Pastor of Hope Hill Church, and just glad that you are here worshiping on this Christmas Eve day. In a moment, we're going to continue with that worship by taking up our Christmas Eve offering. But before we do, I just want to take a moment to tell you about the heart behind this offering. It's a newer tradition for us that we started back in 2010, the year that we moved into this new facility. And that year, we challenged our congregation to think about Christmas a little differently, that instead of spending all the money we normally do on ourselves and gifts and presents, that we would think about spending less and giving more, giving that would bless people who are in need. So we created the Christmas Eve offering and the Christmas Eve fund with the intention that 100% of what would be given would go to bless people outside the walls of this church, both locally and globally, and not a single cent would be for ourselves. Well, that was five Christmas Eves ago, and since that time, in those five years, you as a church have given just over a half a million dollars to our Christmas Eve offering fund. Unbelievable, yeah. And that's over and above what, you know, our regulars give to the church. So it's just amazing. And every year then, we use those funds to bring blessings to others. This past year, Uh, We sent money and a team to Chinoy, Zimbabwe, in the southern part of Africa, to work with Christians there in building a life discipleship center that would be used to bring ministry to local people in areas like vocational training and spiritual growth. Locally, we've helped ministries like Forgotten Youth Ministries, which works with teens who are part of the local uh, juvenile detention center and telling them about the hope that Jesus can bring. We've also ministered to families and individuals in need, especially this time of year with things like gas and groceries, gifts, consumer bills, whatever is needed, all done in the name of Jesus. We believe the words of Jesus that indeed it is more blessed to give than receive. And through the years, we have found that the blessing is truly ours. So in a moment, we're going to take up that offering again. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we just don't want you to feel, you know, pressured or, you know, twisted, arm twisted to give to this. Uh, we realize we may be catching you off guard. Our congregation has been preparing for this moment. If you want to participate, great, but don't feel like you have to. Whatever you choose to do is fine. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward. Let's pray together as we continue to worship through this offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time of worship, of hearing the stories, of singing the songs, and you drawing our hearts to Jesus. And it's in that spirit that we give, realizing that everything we have, everything we are, ultimately comes from your good and gracious hand. Thank you for what you have done through what was given last year in bringing blessing into lives of people. And it is with great faith and expectancy that we're excited about the gifts given today being used next year in ways above and beyond all that we could imagine. So Lord, may we worship you through these gifts and through the rest of the service, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Great job, worship team. Uh, I know we've got a lot of, you know, regulars and long-timers here, but if you're visiting, you're from out of town or just with family, really glad to have you here. Those of you who are in our family venue worshiping, want to extend a welcome to you as well. I want us to begin this time by reading together the Christmas story. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and this is going to be a responsive reading. I'll start off, and I'll read the uh, white-lettered, unbolded slides, and then have you respond by reading the colored-lettered, bolded slides. This is from Luke chapter 2, the Gospel of Luke. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to whom, to whom his favor rests. Thank you. Well done. You may be seated. This is part of the original Christmas story from 2,000 years ago, the greatest story ever told that a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And as the gospel writer Luke goes on to tell us, these same shepherds, these nobodies, these societal outcasts from the lower rungs of the economic ladder, they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus who was lying in a manger. And after they had met him personally and had seen the Christ child, they went off. They hurried to spread the good news to anyone who would listen that a Savior had been born to them and to everyone. Well, as you go on in the Bible, you realize that this is the last we ever hear about these shepherds, that what they do, where they go from there, we really don't know what happens to them. But I think it is safe to say, right, that whatever they experienced in their lifetime afterwards would have paled in comparison, right? paled in comparison with this one unique brush with greatness that they had. A brush with greatness. After all, it's not every day that common folk like them would be able to greet someone so esteemed like a newborn king. And so that story got me thinking about us, about you, about everyone here and the unique life experiences we have in our own personal brushes with greatness. So let me ask you, have, have you ever met someone famous before? Distinguished? Important? Dare I even say great? Ever had an encounter like that? Maybe it was a high-profile politician, like that time you actually got to shake hands with the governor. Maybe you met a famous celebrity, and you got your picture taken with them. You know, someone famous like Miss Columbia, right? Or <laughs> Miss Philippines, right? Uh, too soon? I don't know. 
As someone who speaks for a living, I, I have nightmares about something like that every day, you know? Um, or maybe it was a well-known athlete as a kid growing up in the Detroit area. I remember one of my highlights was getting a picture signed by Mr. Hockey himself, Gordy Howe, right? That ranked on my list. So what about you? What's on your list? I bet if we took the time and shared our stories, this room would be filled with brushes with greatness. Some of you, it might have even happened years and years ago, but it felt like yesterday, right? You know, there's another story that comes to mind for me that I guess I would have to classify really more as a near brush with greatness, But I thought, you know, in light of all the Star Wars hype this week, that this story was worth telling, okay? Now, this happened long, long ago, you know, a long time ago, and not a galaxy far, far away. It was really about two hours south of here. It was the year that Kathy and I were married, and we spent our first summer together uh, working at a church in Southfield. And one of the wedding gifts we received was a $100 restaurant voucher. $100. Now, as a young couple working our way through seminary, you know, $100 was more like our entire monthly grocery budget, right? And so to think that we would get $100 to spend on just one meal was absolutely mind-blowing. Thankfully, Kathy and I both share the love language of food, so we were up to the challenge. We called, we made our reservations, and headed down to one of Detroit's most distinguished dining establishments. It actually was an old mansion that had been renovated. We went down there, were seated, began to eat the meal. It was an unbelievable experience. About halfway through, we saw this party of three walk into our room and seated off into a secluded corner. And after they were seated, I I looked over and made eye contact with one of the gentlemen there, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is right over there, three tables away. I mean, like here to there, I'm thinking, I am having dinner with Han Solo. You know, this is just (laughs) like the greatest thing in the world. Then it dawns on me, oh, wait a minute, this is supposed to be a romantic meal. We're, you know, two months into our marriage, and I, you know, should really know better than that, but I just can't contain myself. So I say to Kathy, Kathy, you know, look over there. Do you think that's Harrison Ford? And I don't remember her exact words, but it was like, maybe, I don't know. You're an idiot. Why did I marry you? You know, something like that, right? (laughs) Well, the more I thought about it, I'm like, I guess she's right, right? What in the world is Harrison Ford doing in Detroit, and why would he show up at a restaurant in the middle of a week like this, right? So I kind of write it off, let it go. We get to the end of the meal, we have dessert, but as we're settling up to check with the waiter, I thought, I'm going to give this one more shot, right? And so I ask him, you know, we were talking, is that, you know, Harrison Ford over there? Well, he's kind of uppity about it, right? And He gives us this disgusted look, like, not even, you know, why would you ask such a question, but why did we even let you into a fine dining establishment like this, right? Six spoons on one side, five forks on the other, you know? And so he just shakes his head with this disapproving no. I'm like, all right, I just must have missed it. So we walk out, 
and give our ticket to the valet. It's, you know, one of those kind of places. He goes to get our car. Shouldn't be hard to find the Dodge Colt parked between all the Mercedes-Benz and BMWs. And as he's pulling the car up, another valet, younger than us, kid younger than us, with, you know, no sense of decorum, comes up and he goes, did you guys see Indiana Jones in there? I mean, isn't that the greatest thing in the world? And we're like, oh, I knew it. My Hollywood career just, oh, I lost it right there. It was him. Sure enough, I read in the paper later, you know, this is before the internet, right, that uh, he was, Harrison Ford was in Detroit that summer filming a movie, presumed innocent, and I thought, why? Why did I doubt myself, right? Why did I talk myself out of, because I saw him and I knew it was really him, but I'm like, no, it couldn't possibly be him. <laughs> you know, years later, decades later, I, I think back to that moment, And I still find my lack of faith disturbing. I mean, it, little Easter egg for you Star Wars fans, sorry about that. Well, you know, enough of me. I feel kind of foolish telling that story. But going back to the story of Jesus, going back to all that happened to him after he was born, I guess I take comfort, right, in knowing the fact that I'm not alone in blowing it when it comes to brushes with greatness. And this brush with greatness we're talking is not a Hollywood celebrity, but the Son of God. See, you read the story of Jesus. It starts off with a miraculous birth, one that is confirmed with supernatural occurrences of his identity, including the story we just shared together with the shepherds, that he indeed is Emmanuel, God with us, the Son of God in the flesh among us. And yet even still, as Jesus gets older, He begins his earthly ministry. Not everyone's convinced. Now, certainly the evidence is there, the way he taught, the compassion he showed, the wisdom he demonstrated, the miracles he performed, the authority he possessed. This is no ordinary man, and yet many had their doubts. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, we read about this encounter that Jesus has with people from his own hometown, the village of Nazareth. And so Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Jesus is traveling, so it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They were amazed. Now, this wasn't the first time there would be that kind of amazement with Jesus, and it wouldn't be the last. And so in their amazement, they begin to ask questions. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Now, it's interesting because this particular passage doesn't talk about Jesus performing miracles. So it's clear that this word about him and all he has done beforehand is spreading. You know, stories like him causing a paralyzed man to walk again or calming a storm with just a spoken word or even bringing a young girl back to life from the dead. And they could not deny the fact that they were in the presence of capital G greatness. The evidence was there, and yet they still had their doubts. Verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? Then look at this. And they took offense at him. Did you see how quickly that changed? 
They talk themselves out of Jesus being more than just another small-town kid out of Nazareth. They go from amazement to offense. They go from how did he do that to how could he do that. So Jesus picks up on what's going on, so he responds, verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He draws upon Old Testament history where God's true prophets back then were also rejected by people who should have known better. Now look at this, verse 5, verse 6. He, Jesus, could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And here's the punchline. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Do you see the contrast there? They were amazed at his teaching early on, but he now is amazed by their lack of faith. After all they had seen, all they had heard, how could they still not believe that he was the promised Messiah? Well, this is just one slice from the life of Jesus, and yet all throughout his ministry years, the story remained the same. Some believed, while others weren't quite sure. Many doubted, and some even took offense at him. And I guess that's my point, you know, that this Christmas, as we gather to sing these songs of worship, as we reflect upon these stories of wonder, there comes a point for all of us where we, too, have to respond to mankind's ultimate brush with greatness. Not just inhabiting the same room as a Hollywood celebrity, but God himself inhabiting our planet True greatness, pure goodness visited our world on Christmas Day. The Gospel of John puts it this way. John says, chapter 1, verse 14, the Word, speaking of Jesus as the eternal Son of God, became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That ever since his birth, the divine glory of Jesus Christ was fully on display for everyone to see. It was there at the beginning in the manger, and it was there at the end on the cross. Jesus dying in our place for our sins so that we could be reconciled with our Creator. We have seen His glory. The question is, how will we respond? Will we believe or will we doubt? Will we trust Him or will we talk ourselves out of it? And as John talks more about this fork in the road, he describes it this way, back to verse 9. John, speaking of Jesus, says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That is the Christmas story. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the eternal Son of God who was part of the beginning of creation, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Not everyone saw Jesus for who he truly was, Especially, you know, religious insiders who should have known better. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The chosen people of God, those informed by the Hebrew Scriptures, heirs to the promise, many of them rejected Jesus. His own did not receive him. But look at this, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. This is the great invitation of Christmas because with Jesus, everything changed. That to become a son, a daughter of the living God, to experience his love, his forgiveness, to be brought into his 
forever family. It's not a matter of privilege. It's not a matter of pedigree, some exclusive club you're born into. No, it is a matter of belief to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, to those who do not lack faith. He gives them, he gives us the right to become children of God. This is God's promise to you, to all of us. Listen, I know that many of you here already possess that kind of belief in Jesus, and so my prayer for you is that the wonder of Jesus would be as fresh for you this Christmas as it was the day you first believed. But if you're someone who doesn't know Jesus in this kind of personal way, my prayer for you is that you too would simply believe, believe and not doubt that Jesus is the Savior born to you and for you, that he is true greatness, pure goodness, who came into the world so that we could become sons and daughters of the living God, both now and forever. So this Christmas, let us rejoice together. Let us celebrate and let us believe that today, this Christmas, a Savior has been born to you, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is absolutely mind-blowing to think that the Almighty God, the Eternal Son of God, entered our world as a helpless newborn. That it wasn't to show anything, to prove anything, to demonstrate might as many thought the, the coming Messiah would do but it was to love, to serve, to bring forgiveness through a brutal death on a cross. And yet by doing so, heaven was brought down to earth and a way was opened for all of us to be reconciled to our God that we would believe and become sons and daughters of the living God both now and forever. Lord, may you spark in us anew and afresh the wonder and worship of Christmas. This is my prayer for everyone here, including me, and that God, by your Holy Spirit, you would grow and draw our hearts ever closer to Jesus Christ, the newborn King. We pray in his name. Amen.
Christ was born. On night divine, on night, on night far end of the right side of your rows, there is a box. You can grab that now, and inside the box is a lovely little candle. Kids safe. No wax dripping, people setting on fire, so this is very safe, but uh, we want to do this together. We want to sing together, um, and as soon as you have grabbed that, you can go ahead and stand up, and we want to sing together Silent Night. Thank you. 
time of worship together. Just a couple things uh, before you head out. Uh, Did you enjoy the candles? Yes, excellent. We would like the people in the other services to enjoy them as well. So on your (laughs) way out, if you can just leave it on the seat and we'll take things from there. We do have some cookies and coffee out in the lobby that we would love for you to enjoy. If you are visiting, you're, you're from the area and you don't have a home church, we'd Love to have you join us on a Sunday. But for everyone here, as you go, may God's grace go with you, that you have a merry and blessed Christmas. God bless you.